0: Hello and welcome to the Citywide well Wealth Manager podcast. My name's John Schaefer and today I spoke with Charlie Thomas, manager of Jupiter's Ecology Fund. We discussed whether ESG and sustainable investing is now taking a back seat during the current market volatility. Also, if this is your first time on our podcast, please hit the follow button on Spotify for all the latest updates. Obviously, before coronavirus, there was a lot of attention on ESG and sustainable investments. So maybe you could explain what's happening in this area at the moment with all the volatility.
1: Yeah, I I think we've seen a... um, Obviously, going into the crisis, um, you're right. Um, I sort of joke internally within Jupiter that, that, you know, the capital markets have found a new religion in 2020, and that's climate change. Um, And and I say that in the sense that they're kind of the, the... the interest, the level of interest and focus, I think not just from the specialists, but also generalists, I think, who are really beginning to pick up on it and understand the kind of the long-term consequences of it, Have has really really moved in, was a real driving force into it. Now, I th- I think with the crisis that we see at the moment, um, the one thing that shall I highlight and, and, and I think about is really... And when I've been through previous recessions, and if I look back to my, I've actually been managing funds now for over 15 years, it's really the pace and the severity, which is, I think, sort of catching people out. Um, not so much catching people out, but more just um, surprising people and, and 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 the rules of the game have slightly changed and, and changed very, very quickly. Normally, you have a bit of time moving into it. I think this this time, the pace has really caught people out. Does that really fundamentally change? the focus area? Honestly, I don't believe so. I mean, I've been in this, in, in this area, as I said before, for a, a long time, and I probably feel more confident about the long-term trends of investing in this area than I've ever done before. That's sort of, you know, the one thing I don't worry or don't worry when I sleep at night, as it were. So um, long-term, no. But short term, clearly, um, there's significant disruption in the market, which is is, is unsettling and, and will be unsettling for a number of companies.
0: Yeah, of course. And obviously, as a fund manager, you've been hit pretty hard, like pretty much everyone else in this situation. But maybe you could explain kind of the focus of your flagship ecolo- Ecology Fund and you know how the stocks have been impacted recently.
1: Obviously, there's a great, a good depth of um, breadth of companies. Some of the early stage very much the innovators. Um, at some of what we call accelerators, so those which are really going through an acceleration phase, and actually a whole range of companies which are what we call established leaders, which would be companies which are quite, um, should we say, quite old technologies in some respects, um, and which are perhaps more GDP related. So there is a real bandwidth, which means that you are likely to get um, quite a reasonable divergence in performance. But if I was to kind of pick out some areas which are actually being quite resilient, have been very much the trends around. Um, what we call sustainable agriculture so very much uh, around food and food related and you might expect that because obviously people are concerned about short-term supply and food trends and the like so that's a but that's i would argue a short-term trend um other areas which are actually being reasonably stable is also around the energy theme so the clean energy theme and that's really those are the companies which are very much related to the to renewable energies they could be um uh, companies involved in the actual development of technology, so a wind turbine company, right through to companies which are I would are arguably quite defensive, which are what we call the green utilities, so companies which are producing day to day green energy, which tend to be much more resilient in this kind of backdrop. The one area which is probably most sensitive, I would say, is probably around what we call mobility, and that 's really transport, i guess is another way of looking at it, because in whatever shape or form. Of, of, of transport you're looking at, whether it's you know, new innovation in, in, in electric vehicles, uh, right through to just day-to-day transport stocks, um, That they have been hit. Um, and it's and I was just looking actually at some statistics. Um, they did some research in the US um, over the last few days and they've seen 30% fall in traffic numbers in the US, which really shows the kind of impact that that can have. Um, so, there is, a real, there is a variety of difference of performance, short-term performance outcomes. Um, some of them are positive and some of them are negative.
0: Uh, so sort of drilling down a little bit on the renewable energy part of the portfolio, um, obviously we've had pretty sharp dips in oil pra- prices in the last few weeks. And how correlated is renewable energy to that sector?
1: Uh, it's an interesting one because, again, if you look back at history as well, it, it tends to be quite an emotional link in the short term. Um, but actually um, we've got to look at look a little bit beyond that the The oil price itself will have limited impact on a green utility which has got a twenty year what we call a power purchasing agreement so an, an agreement to to buy energy um, and 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 so but there is sometimes an emotional link between the two um, which can have an impact um, on the performance of stocks but actually on a the whole they've been fairly resilient particularly those which are more focusing on the utility side of things um what are the longer term impacts which is going to be interesting because you know obviously depending on your views of how quick this recovery is is it a v-shaped recovery is that a what they call a u-shaped or an l-shaped all these some new acronyms have appeared um, I I think it will have, um, if it is a sustained period um, of suppressed oil, um, it may start to curb uh, a little bit in terms of uh, new innovation, um, particularly around, potentially around some of the electric vehicles. Why? Because the kind of the rationale um, to do so, um, the economic rationale is less, obviously is less clear at that point. Um, Likewise, areas around energy efficiency, if energy prices are Subdued for a long period of time, the economic uh, incentive to do so can be shortened, or it, it's less of an incentive to do so, and that can have an impact. So, it, in many respects, um, we don't see it as a short-term impact. It's what we're more interested in, perhaps more focused around, is the kind of longer-term impact that that may have. So. It's still very much in the in the air at the moment.
0: You mentioned earlier um, the mixture of sort of startup companies and far more established companies in the portfolio. Are you a little bit concerned about some of the the startups that they might sort of go to the wall at the moment?
1: Uh, again, it really de- de- depends on where you you position a portfolio. Um, I mean, traditionally, we've always had limited exposure to the inno- in the, what we call the innovators, the earlier stage. Actually, for, and that's for one of those very reasons is that these companies tend to be perhaps not at the profit-making stage, that they're very much at the innovation stage. They're highly relied on you know, their, their, their access, their, their availability of, of capital markets to be open, open for them to kind of access capital. Um, and that can, be, can make them much more fragile in this backdrop. And um, so, yes, that is an area that we've seen sensitivity previously um, it's not one that we try and have too much exposure to. Typically, it's round about I would say the ten percent are in what we call earlier stage, albeit profitable companies, but they're earlier stage and their are sort of gestation, as it were.
0: Looking at Morningstar this morning, it looks like the ecology fund's dipped by around eighteen percent over the last month. Um, I don't know how, how up to date that is, but h- how long do you think it's going to take for that to recover?
1: Um, I mean, certainly we, we, I, I'm, we are seeing that beginning to recover, actually. We, we've seen some of those companies, um, which I say, because if you think about um, where a lot of the funds, or sorry, the investments around the ecology fund, they would be more focused around what we call the mid-cap area. Um, and they tend to be a little bit more sensitive in the short term in terms of these market movements. So um, they will not tend to lead up the market, the uh, mid-caps. Um, they tend to lag the larger companies. So what you can see quite often is that um, the market will rally, it tends to be the larger companies that do that, and then the follow-on effect of that is um, some of the mid-caps. So we are, but we are beginning to see that. After the kind of the recent rally, rallies, particularly the larger cap companies, we're beginning to see that um, over the last few days happen in some of the, those, should we say, the more mid-cap-sized companies, um, which is great to see, um, the timing in terms of total recovery, I wish I had a you know, crystal ball. Um, I think that's as, as much as anything will relate to how long the crisis is around, um, how long and how quickly people get back to work and all those kind of factors, which I think are you know obviously very well known in the, in the marketplace. I think that those will be very defining. I, the only thing I would point out, though, is that I think we've always got to kind of be slightly mindful that, as we went into this year, we, we are coming off a point of very relatively high valuations in the marketplace. Um, and um, and I think that um that may have taken you know, obviously that will take some of the take some time before we get to that point where that we get that re-rating in the market. So when things normalize, yes, that's what stage one. But things to go back to where they were from a historical valuation perspective may take longer because I think the market may be more cautious about um, that happening.
0: Yeah. Um, and what about from the investor's point of view? Have you had quite significant outflows from the fund?
1: Actually, quite the opposite. Um, it's been, you know, relatively stable to actually quite positive in certain areas, um, which is actually very encouraging. And, and, and that going back to your, actually your, your first question um around you know what are what are the impacts on such so generally on yes esg or sustainable um, investing that um i would point out that actually seeing that trend seeing the relatively positive nature of of some of the inflows um shows to me that actually people are seeing this as a potentially as a buying opportunity um, and that actually, that's very encouraging. I think for for that for for the asset class as a whole, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's also replicated by other funds and other people as, and, and other strategies in this area as well. So, actually, for me, that's that's a very encouraging sign that we're seeing.
0: Well, that is quite interesting because I think one question coming out of this is whether the popularity of the EFG stocks is going to be tested. Um, through this whole experience as sort of people look for more defence as measures. And do you think that's going to be the case more industry-wide?
1: I I think all strategies get tested in these kind of environments. So I I don't think we're any different. I think probably one area to think about, um, particularly around sustainable investments and the thematic approach that we have, is that there are probably not that many asset classes um, in the sense of, predominantly most of the funds are in the equity space um, and they're much fewer what we call sort of multi-asset or diversified funds so combination of bonds and equities and indeed probably less even so in terms of green bonds so I think that that in itself is a bit of a challenge is that um, typically people might have different asset classes that they want to go into um, and there's less Clear and obvious choice within our space, where predominantly most of the assets have been in the equity sides. So that's an interesting um, um, point. I think Mm. that um, uh, we we haven't seen flow moving into the different asset classes because there isn't necessarily the same level of um, or opportunity of funds in the space.
0: I I think um, maybe a couple of months ago there was a lot of heat about the idea of putting purpose ahead of profit with a lot of companies. And do you think that's going to be challenged over the next couple of years? It, it,
1: it, we are seeing quite interesting short-term responses from companies, or actually, funny enough, all companies, um, very fil- philanthropic kind of approaches um, in terms of um, keeping people on, um, whether it's donations, whether it's supporting through, uh, you know, free web, co- um, you know, podcasts or, or, or audio books or whatever it might be. We are seeing that um, as a trend at the moment um, now. How long that will persist, I don't know. Um, I don't think fundamentally it will change because I don't think the consumer, if anything, um, I think w- as consumers, we're probably going to be more, want to know more about this going forward um, in in a sense. I think it, so it creates a little bit more focus on purpose in a way that perhaps um, when you have a heady market and everyone's kind of very excited, that doesn't happen. So interesting, it might actually be the, the inverse of that, that actually it generates more interest in the, in the, in the sector and, and more focus from companies to do the right thing. Um, but clearly, when companies do go into periods of, should we say, um, short-term financial stress, whether you know, markets have suddenly stopped or suddenly slowed down, they will have to think about you know, the, the capital structure that, of, of that particular company or uh, the level of dividends they, they should pay out mm. Um, and they will retrench a little bit. Um, I think that's normal, but I don't think that necessarily changes the the the, the, the long term focus of companies. Yeah, in fact, I,
0: I suppose you've had all these green targets, both from a company level and from a, from a government level as well. But do you, uh, there is perhaps a chance that they could be put on a back foot, um, as businesses will clearly be eager to, to chase growth when the recovery does come. In, in a sense, would you not agree with that?
1: I, I yes I don't I mean I don't disagree I mean you, you can look at it at kind of potentially at a national level or supranational level if you look at um at, at a European level there was a you know well documented well announced uh, significant what they call the kind of EU um green um policy as it were um clearly in my mind that will be impacted in the short term um they're not going to push that forward because clearly they've got to push forward another agenda around um social stability uh, and the like in the first instance and so yes i think you could get delays you could get things um held back that could also impact um on um in the corporate space as well um so i i take your point I, i i do agree with it that these are but these are potentially quite transient issues. I guess the real question is, because we don't know what sort of situation we're in at the moment, whether this is a short-term issue, whether it's a longer-term persistent issue in terms of the economic impact, that's still unclear. But at the moment, we haven't seen any change of, of policies from companies. But quite frankly, I think it's too early. I think very much companies are looking inwardly at themselves at the moment saying, what do I need, need to do to shore up, as it were, the capital structure of the group and the like?
0: Perhaps we, we could take a look back at the financial crisis and what was happening with sustainable NESG then, because obviously it was a little bit more nascent then, but the Ecology Fund was still running at that point. Perhaps you could kind of paint a picture of what was happening yeah. then and how, how it recovered. Um, yes, I mean, I was very much in it, I can assure you. <laughs> um,
1: I, I think what we did see is that um, where, where things are different, um, and I think it's probably useful to start from that from that perspective, is that you're right if we look back to you know 08 09 the crisis around that period a lot of the areas that we would have been, would have looked at you know areas such as solar energy or wind energy to give examples they were very nascent they were still in early stages they were still very costly interesting enough you take the example of solar just as an example as a result of the recession what happened is that that industry was really forced to go down down the cost curve, to reduce cost of solar panels. And it did so over a very sustained period to the point where actually it's benefited because what's happened now is that the cost of solar energy is now increasingly competitive around the, ro- around the world. And as it's more competitive, it's boomed in terms of demand. So actually the knock-on effects can be, they may feel negative, but actually the long-term impact of it can be quite positive. Um, so that, that, that's, those are examples of what we've seen, but clearly um, in terms of uh, liquidity or the, 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 of companies, that won't be any different um, this time round um, to last time round, although I would argue a lot of companies are much more prudent uh, since 2009 in terms of their capital structure than they might have been back in sort of 08, 09 in around this area. Um, There are examples of, you know, wind turbine companies here in Europe, in fact, one of the largest in the world. You know, these are companies which have actually got net cash, um, which don't have any debt. Um, And that's a very different situation than you would have seen, you know, 10, 11 years ago.
0: Great. Uh, One final question. Which sectors do you think are going to be the quickest to recover in this space? Um, I
1: I think probably where we see the most rapid recovery um, in the short term will be those arguably those sectors which are potentially more impacted um, on an immediate basis. And the areas which I think are probably most likely to, to, to bound, um, bounce back, as it were, would be areas such as public transport sectors and companies around there where obviously volumes have just collapsed. Um, but if we do get to some sort of form of normality again, I think the re- recovery around some of those areas could be very rapid, um, and I think areas around, um, also around the broader mobility theme around um, vehicles and electric vehicles and the growth again of that, again, the short-term demand for vehicles may be impacted quite significantly, mm-hmm. but as these start to return, I think those those could come back more more quickly. The areas which have arguably done better in the short term, the more defensive areas, they're, they're unlikely to respond in the same way. It's more that, should we say, the more secular um, um, Circular um, types of sectors that we've um, which have been impacted so far. So th- that's what I anticipate. It, you know, we don't know how it will happen, whether it will happen, but that's a kind of a, a sense of, of of the the change that might happen.
0: Well, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on to a call with me this afternoon.
1: No, not at all. I, I hope that was helpful, and um, and I wish you all the very best and be safe.